We're doing a study on the precious blood of Jesus using uh, as our text this uh, launching. And I want someone to get that for me so we can start that out. Somebody in this section, I'd like to get that. First Peter 1.19, Bill Lamb. And then I need somebody to get for me Revelation 5.9. Uh, Dennis and Catherine, would you get for me Romans 7.14? I want someone to get for me Isaiah 52, verse 3. Don Galati, I'd like for someone to get for me Second Peter 2.19. Uh, Jimmy. And I want uh, John 8, 33 and 34. Somebody like to get that for me. Uh, Steve. So we want to, uh, uh, we want to uh, just do a little bit of review. I want to ask you some questions. It will help us to uh, get our mind back reoriented. And so uh, we studied that the blood makes atonement. And so since the blood makes atonement, now what are the practical results of that blood making atonement? Uh, Casey? No, the blood makes peace. That's a different facet. Atonement. No more gulf that separates, right? Okay. So uh, the Bible makes peace. So how does that affect our daily lives? Ryan? Gives us the ability to think clearly, have a sound mind, and think rationally. Well, maybe, but you'd have to go around the barn to get, come to that conclusion. It does, but uh, that, that'll miss the point. Makes peace, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Don't you just hate classes where you have to think? It's almost like being in school. Pete? No, that's justification. Okay. Uh, Steve? Remember the class. Remember, see, I spend 45 or 50 minutes. That's why I'm asking the questions. I want to make you think about what we talked about, not all that you know about already. The war's over. Okay? God does not resist us uh, because we're not resisting him. The war's over. Having slain the enmity, the enmity, the war's over. And so that's the issue. Carol, do you want to add something to that? Okay, we're friends with God. All right, so one more. Since we've been purchased, uh, what difference does that make in the choices that we make in life? Carlene? Great. Praise God. All right. That encourages me because the test of teaching is done by review and application. That's what the, uh, the manual says in teaching classes. So we want to uh, go on this morning, First Peter 1.19. And so uh, if someone could read that for us, Bill Lamb, this is our key scripture, First Peter 1.19, the precious blood of Jesus Christ.
Okay, so here's our key text again. Now, the scene set in heaven. Uh, here we're getting insight. John is on the Isle of Patmos. He uh, begins to see spiritual things, has the visions, writes the book of Revelation, or called the Apocalypse. And so the scene is set in heaven, in Revelation chapter 5. And the four beasts and the twenty elders fall down uh, before the Lord. They're playing on their golden harps. They offer the golden vials before the Lamb that's slain. And these vials are filled with the prayers of the saints. And uh, they get into an ecstasy of worship. And uh, out of their redeemed hearts, uh, they commence to sing, He alone is worthy. Then they make an assertion. And that assertion is Revelation 5, 9. They sing a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you are slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have redeemed us to God by your blood. So we want to lock in on that word this morning and find out what that's all about. First of all, to get an understanding, you have to understand that mankind... Since the fall in the garden is in bondage, he's a slave to sin, the enemy of his soul, the enemy of God, who is Lucifer, Satan, the adversary, has now corrupted the creation of God, has seized upon the crown of his creation because of man's disobedience to God, the Father, God the Creator, he's been brought into bondage. And this is a very bleak picture. We want to spell this out in the three or four texts, Romans 7, 14. Sold under sin. Now, those are tremendous words. They come out of the terminology of the days in which the Bible were written. And in those days, uh, slavery was a common practice. Uh, nations would would uh, capture uh, peoples in war. They would bring them into bondage. They would use them as their uh, servants with no pay, no recompense. Uh, they had slave markets in many places in the world where human beings were bought and were sold, as they were in the early days in America. And so this terminology, uh, the Holy Spirit picks up, puts it into uh, this picture of mankind and says, we are sold unto sin. In other words, sin is the uh, is a catalyst. Sin is the principle that caused you and I to be brought into bondage and made slaves uh, as we live on planet Earth. Isaiah 52, verse 3. Okay, uh, uh, God speaking through Isaiah. He's uh, speaking through redemption. We'll uh, play that on out in a moment. But he said, you've, you've uh, sold yourself uh, not for money. That's not what you sold yourself for, for nothing. You, gave, you actually gave your uh, destiny and your eternity away. Second Peter 2.19. Okay, here is a picture of mankind uh, in corruption. You can pick up your newspaper every day and you read this in reality. It's a drive-by shooting. Uh, somebody dry, dies of a heroin overdose. Uh, a little girl uh, uh, has a baby, throws him in the trash bin. Uh, 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 Slick Willie tells more lies. Uh, 
There's corruption in government. Uh, somebody sold an office. There's, uh, uh, there's bribery. You pick up your papers every day. You see sin out working and you see the corruption because that's actually what is at work. In John 8, 33 and 34, Jesus begins to home in on this and show us the results of a lifestyle. Jesus is beginning to uh, bring uh, sin from a, a kind of a, an institutional uh, concept or a national concept because they prided themselves of being in the covenant and being descendants of Abraham. And Jesus is, has to bring this down to a fine-tuning and make them to understand that uh, because they were still under the power of sin, still committing sin. They were the slaves of sin. They were in bondage to sin. And any person who's ever been in, a, in bondage to cigarettes. I mean, anybody ever been in bondage to cigarettes? Let me see your hand. How many times you try to quit? <laughs> Do I hear 400 anywhere in the building? <laughs> okay. And so that's just one small token of, uh, of a far more serious problem and sins that we don't want to mention publicly that has mankind enslaved. Uh, because the picture that we have here now, and this is how the Bible moves from this in many places, is the picture of a slave market where human beings are held. One of these pictures we get in graphic portrayal is out of the, the nation of Egypt and the deliverance from the nation of Egypt. You remember the story? Here are the descendants of Abraham. They're down in Egypt. Uh, as they've been down there, uh, they begin to multiply. They become a, 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 a powerful uh, group of people, a tribe of people. And uh, uh, as long as Joseph is, is there, everything's fine. And as long as there's someone there that remembers Joseph, everything's okay. But uh, it says there arose a king that knew not Joseph. And uh, when that happened, there became a change. He became very fearful of these people that were there in the land of Goshen. They were becoming very strong. Uh, they, were, uh, uh, they had large families. And he became very fearful. So he began to bring them under bondage because they were of a different uh, uh, tribal descent and a different country. And he begins to bring them into, into bondage. And so here's the picture that we have. Remember that Pharaoh and Egypt is a picture of the human nature uh, unredeemed. That's a picture of what it is all through the Bible. I want several scriptures, uh, Exodus uh, uh, 1, uh, 8 through 14. Somebody write in this section. I'd like to get that for me. Would be Michael. I'd like for somebody to get for me Exodus 2, 23 through 25. Quickly, someone get that for me. Uh, Philip, and I want Exodus 6, verse 5. Uh, share if you'd like to get that. So here we have... A people, and uh, here's the picture of mankind laboring under uh, bondage. Now, uh, every once in a while we hear somebody say, hey, man, you know, I remember when I was, before I would say, oh, this is fantastic. You know, we used to do, had chicks, you know, everywhere. I mean, well, I mean, well that, that, that's a great deception. Here's the true picture, as every honest heart will have to say, and every repentant heart. Here's the true picture. It's mankind grinding it out day after day. How many of you remember grinding it out? Hanging over the toilet. Puking your insides out. 
your head feeling that big, right? Living with a guilty conscience, driven like an animal. I can remember, listen folks, I can remember in the military, I'm a grown man, I'm, I'm 19 years old, so hooked on cigarettes that, that I'm out looking for bets that somebody look, that had thrown away so I can have a, a little nicotine. Only God knows who was on the other end of that. You would actually do that? I did that. And so did several of you do that. That's the picture of sin. And it goes far worse than that. Into the addictions and into the perversions and into the domination, into the guilt, into the enslaving of a cruel taskmaster that day by day wants to keep you uh, ground under and enslave you and keep you in bondage as in enjoying doing it. Exodus chapter 1, 8 through 14. I gave it to somebody. Okay, here's the picture of the life of sin. There it is. There's the true picture in bondage, uh, serving someone besides your own uh, good, and uh, and driven cruelly by taskmasters. You know the story. Uh, they uh, uh, they seem to be doing too well. They want to make a little noise, like they want some relief. And so they said, take away the, the straw. We're not going to furnish straw anymore. And so the more that uh, they groaned, the more miserable they made them. Exodus 2, 23 through 25. Here's the picture of sin. Say, well, boy, that was a wonderful, wonderful life before I got saved. I remember all the good times. Do you, do you remember the groaning? Anybody remember the groaning? I do. Exodus 6, verse 5. All right, here they are. At the end of the day, the day on, night and day. They're enslaved and miserable in their existence. I want Exodus 12, 21 through 23. Somebody over here on my right. Michael Solano, I want Exodus 12, 12 and 13. Whose hand is it back there? Oh, it's uh, you. I want uh, Deuteronomy 15, 15. Is it David? And I want Deuteronomy 24, 18. Uh, Richard? And I want uh, Revelation 14, 3 and 4. Da David in the back, uh, David Barnes, and Exodus 14, 30. Uh, Roger Holloman. 
Okay, so here we have them. God says, I've heard their cry. I remember my covenant that I made with Abraham. Remember, we talked about cutting the covenant. And so you find that all these begin to merge before we're finished, but these are particular facets of the, pre the precious blood of Jesus, and we want to home in on these so we'll understand them. Exodus 12, uh, uh, 12 and 13, let's have first of all. God now is beginning to move. As he begins to move, he gives specific direction, and that has to do with blood. We'll pursue that uh, more in a moment. Says this, the, the, there's going to be a judgment upon the nation of Egypt, but I'm going to put a difference between uh, you and Egypt if, if you will do what I tell you to do. I'm going to cap this by pleading the blood. When we get through this study, we're going to do the last study, learning the instrumentality of pleading the blood. Exodus 12, 21 through 23. Here's going to be a judgment upon Egypt. Remember, Egypt is a, is a type of sin, is a type of God's uh, 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 judgment upon sin. He's going to judge that. But there's going to be a difference made. And he says to them, you want to be free from this. You do not want this to happen. You get a lamb. You uh, slay it. You take the blood. And you take uh, with a hyssop, put it upon the lintel and upon the doorposts. Uh, and when the death angel passes through, he's going to see the blood, and you are not going to be judged. You know the story? Uh, God passed through. Uh, I'm not going to take uh, a lot of time with all the detail. Uh, slew the firstborn, which was the pride of the power of Egypt because of Pharaoh's disobedience, rebellion, and because of his worship of the snake god, the serpent power that is behind the throne, which is what the, the, the crown that they wore, this is the throne was made this way, and God's going to judge that, but these people are going to be free if they will do what God tells them to do. Remember, we're talking about redemption. Deuteronomy 15, 15. Remember, you were a slave in the land of Egypt, but the Lord your God redeemed you. That's a, a very powerful and a specific statement. It means something. Deuteronomy 24, 18. Here we find again that statement made. This is all through the Bible. The picture's there, redeeming them from... Uh, Egypt, Revelation 14, 3 and 4.
Right, here's the uh, picture again in eternity. Uh, John's having this vision on the Isle of Patmos, and the word again is redeemed. You redeemed us by your blood. Exodus 14.30. Let's have that uh, thought again. The Lord saved Israel. The word there is delivered. And that is the thought of redemption in its purest sense. The word uh, redemption literally means, we're going to get all the uses of it before we finish, uh, to help you uh, understand it's to loose away. This is a central uh, theme of the word redeem. It's the word luteros. And what it really means is to loose away. And so here we have the Passover lamb. The Passover lamb is slain. The blood is put upon the doorpost. There's a deliverance. This is an element. This is a sign. And there's a deliverance from Pharaoh and the deaf angel. And so we have deliverance by power. And we have deliverance by blood. This is accomplished by the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God we find in Revelation uh, of the New Testament. Uh, is Jesus Christ, the very Son of the living God. Remember when John the Baptist is coming? John's preaching the, uh, the uh, gospel of repentance. They're coming out to uh, Jordan to be baptized. They're coming, uh, the whole nation's coming out because God's speaking to a nation, touching a nation. He sees Jesus Christ walking, and the Spirit of God comes on him, and he utters these words, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So let's, uh, uh, before we have discussion, let's get several scriptures on my left over here. If you'll get for me, First Peter 1, 18 and 19. Louis, I want Titus 2, 14. Uh, Mac, I want Romans 3, 23 and 20, uh, through 25 as Dennis Halv uh, uh, Halverson. So here's the Lamb of God, and Calvary's cross is the focus uh, of all of uh, eternity for humanity. Just as God said to the children of Israel, you will perpetually remember this uh, once a year. It will be the Passover because you want, need to remember this event. This is the day that the Lord passed over you. The death angel moved through. Judgment was brought to Pharaoh and his uh, rebellious kingdom uh, as a sign of who I am, what I am, and what I uh, will allow, not allow. And uh, you will do this perpetually, and you remember this Passover because you were redeemed. The blood of that lamb was a type. Now we move on to Calvary's cross, uh, and Calvary's cross is the focus of all human history because there God redeemed mankind uh, eternally. First Peter 1, 18 and 19. You are not redeemed with perishable things such as silver and gold. This is a different element. This is something you can't buy with money. This is something this world's uh, commerce has no ability to bring to pass. You were redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ uh, as of a lamb without spot, without blemish. Titus 2.14 Here we have it again. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us unto himself. 
And then Romans 3, 24, uh, 3, 3, 23 through 25 is the great uh, New Testament passage that puts uh, uh, worlds of theology in two verses, three verses. Here is redemption through faith in his blood. The American Heritage Dictionary uh, uh, gives us a definition of redemption. It says to recover ownership by paying a specific sum, and we find that's the creator of that which is lost. However, moving into the thought of redemption, there is, there, we want to focus on deliverance because that's, uh, that's actually the key thought of, of the word redeem, lutros, is really deliverance or to loose away, and uh, we want to get that. We get it right in this section here, Colossians 1, 12 through 14. Somebody like to help us here. Steve, uh, Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. Uh, Pete Baker, Hebrews 9, 11 through 14. Uh, Catherine, uh, Isaiah 49, 25 and 26. Uh, Dennis, Ephesians 1, 7. Uh, uh, Don Galati and Ephesians 4.30, uh, Valerie. So the focus of this is deliverance. When you think of redemption, and as I say again, there's an overlapping in many of these words, but the, the, the focus of redemption means deliverance. That means uh, several facets. It has to do with demonic forces. It has to do with the enemy. It has to do with the, uh, with the uh, circumstances that the enemy will bring against your life. It has to do with uh, loosing away or deliverance. Colossians 1, 12 through 14 gives a powerful scripture. Every person ought to, uh, ought to uh, uh, memorize this and ought to have it on your heart because it's one of the key scriptures that will help you in a time of need. Okay, here we're dealing with spiritual dynamics. We're dealing with powerful forces in the spirit world. And uh, Colossians speaks that uh, there is a redemption, a deliverance from the powers of darkness. How many of you know there are powers of darkness? If you don't know that, then uh, uh, you need to get saved. Powers of darkness are the spiritual entities that are orchestrated by the enemy of your soul, the devil, to destroy you. Je Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief comes not but for to kill and to steal and to destroy. The entire scripture presents him as an adversary. He is the arch enemy of God. He is the one who caused our parents, Adam and Eve, to disobey in the garden. He's the one that orchestrates a third of the angels that rebelled in heaven and were cast out into the earth. He's the one who organizes the destruction and constantly is at work to destroy you, destroy your family, destroy your mind, to destroy your health, to destroy your church, to destroy your nation, to destroy your community. He's busily at work and organized and is in a campaign. But the Bible says 
that this uh, precious blood of Jesus Christ uh, is available to give us deliverance from the powers of darkness and to deliver us into another dimension. And that dimension is the kingdom of Jesus Christ, God's dear Son, in whom we have redemption through faith in His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Uh, Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. Here Hebrews spells it out. Uh, you and I who through fear of death were subject all our lifetime unto bondage. Uh, Jesus Christ partook of flesh and blood. Uh, God in the flesh died on Calvary's tree that he might destroy him that had the power of death, the devil, and to save them. That's a new King James. King James says deliver them because here is the picture of deliverance uh, and that word release literally means to deliver. And this is the event uh, that's accomplished this through Jesus Christ in Calvary's tree. Hebrews 9, 11 through 14. Jesus Christ, who has become our high priest. Remember the pattern. We talked of the pattern of the tabernacle. The true tabernacle is in heaven. He taking his own blood, that blood of the everlasting covenant, representing both God and man, shed on Calvary's tree, entered in to the true tabernacle, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Not the blood of bulls or of goats, which is the Old Testament type of, 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 of redemption in the law, but by His blood He entered into heaven itself, having obtained eternal deliverance and redemption for you and I. Isaiah 49, 25 and 26 give us a wonderful uh, picture of this, uh, the power of this deliverance. I am your Redeemer. Here it is. And he makes this wonderful statement. If you follow uh, those words, uh, the uh, prey, it literally means the lawful captives. That means that uh, if, we get, if we get what we deserve, how many of you want what you deserve? Say, I, hey, I want my rights. So if you get your rights, you go to hell. Everybody wants their rights today. Well, if you get your rights, you go straight to hell. But the wonderful good news is, the prophet said, this wonderful thing that God's doing, because He is a Redeemer, is that even, because, even the lawful captives, the devil says, hey, they did that, and they deserve hell. And uh, that's true. 
But in redemption, there's a wonderful releasing because the lawful captive shall be delivered because now the Redeemer has come on the scene and he's loosed away and taking these out of the enslavement of sin. Ephesians 1, 7. In him we have redemption through faith in his blood. Read verse 14 for me, Don. Okay, so here's, here's, uh, here's a little added thought on this, loosing away. And uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, Ephesians 4.30 says, has sealed us until the day when we're going to be finally redeemed. That is a taking of those believers from the earth. That's the final loosing away. And then we have uh, uh, Ephesians 4.30. I got, a set of, I got ahead of myself. 4.30 is the one that's... Uh, go ahead and read it for me. Whoever has 4.30. Okay. I got a little ahead of myself, Valerie, but that's all right. And so here we have uh, that picture. Okay. The object uh, of this, of course, is to take out a people for his name. In other words, deliverance is presently a truth, but it also is a future wonderful promise that, that, that God's going to take us out of this world. Now he's taking us out of sin. Aren't you glad for that? God's taking us out of sin, but he's going to take us out of this world. Acts fifteen fourteen. that's exactly what he's doing at this present hour. I want somebody in this section to get that for me. Acts fifteen fourteen. Uh, Michael, I want somebody to get for me Luke twenty one twenty eight. Uh, George, and I want somebody to get for me Romans eight twenty three. Uh, is it Sean? Okay. And so this is exactly what God is doing. He has taken us out of the slave market, and we're looking forward to a time when He's going to take us out of this world. You say, "Well, uh, you're a, an escape artist. You bet I am." Anybody with a brain would be longing for. The rapture, I can tell you that. If you want to go through it and be perfected, God love you. I'll be praying for you when I'm up in heaven. But I'm looking forward to the promise, the great hope of the church, which is the deliverance of the saints, the rapture of the saints, the taking out of a people for his namesake. Acts fifteen fourteen. This is what God's doing right now, and uh, this will continue until Jesus comes, the trump of God, and Second uh, Thessalonians uh, uh, will be caught up to meet him in the air. Uh, Luke 21, 28. Sometime you might want to read that passage of Scripture, and you see all the things that are described there are happening right now, uh, disturbances in the weather, uh, uh, earthly uh, upheavals, uh, uh, turmoil in the nations, nation rising against nation. I think there's 70 uh, conflicts that are going on in the world right now. 70 that have the potential to engulf us all. Romans 8:23. Redemption of our body. All right. The word redemption 
means to deliver by paying a price. There are three principal Greek words that are used. One of these is uh, agorazo. This means to buy in the market. And it comes from out of the word from agora market. And man is viewed as a slave. Uh, we've gone over that. Sold under sin, under sentence of death. But the subject uh, to redemption by the purchase price of the blood of the Redeemer. This is the one word. Another word is exagorazo means to buy out of the market, or in other words, to purchase and remove from further sale. This is a word that's used uh, in, in redemption. And the third is the word I gave you is lutero, which means to loose or to set free. Uh, Apolotrosis is a, a word that's uh, akin to that and, and used commonly to indicate the release of a slave. So redemption is by sacrifice and it is by power. Christ paid the price. The Holy Spirit makes the deliverance actual. In experience, let's open it for a moment and uh, see if we've got any uh, uh, comments or question at this point. Redeemed by blood, uh, Mac. Is that right? That's interesting. And so, uh, what is the word indentured? The word came to me indentured. Is that, that has to do with that, doesn't it? What? Who's talking? That's what he's talking about. Indentured servant. That just came to me when you were talking that. Yeah. I, I don't know the details of that. I, I'm very vague about that, but I appreciate that. Okay? So, uh, that's a good comment, Max. Somebody else. Question, uh, Michael. You're trying to get me to teach next Sunday's lesson this morning. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's exactly what it's all about because we're dealing with law and holy law. And so next uh, uh, next Sunday we'll be uh, uh, next lesson we'll be dealing with uh, justification, which is that all about. So I don't want to get into that right now. If you'll just wait till next week, be sure and come while you'll we'll have this next week. Uh, Phil. Redemption by blood. Yet, any more questions? Okay, let's move on a little bit then. So I want uh, I want somebody to get for me Romans three twenty three through twenty five over on this side again. Michael will get that for me, and I want uh, Revelation twelve eleven. Somebody like to get that, Pete Baker. So uh, 
uh, I want to just dip in just briefly, but I want to come back. I'm going to cap this study by uh, the practical uh, truth and applying this. So we know from the story of Egypt, this had to be applied. If there were any household that did not slay the lamb, take the blood and put it upon the doorposts and upon the lentils, this is the only thing that was going to be recognized. They were not going to recognize that they went to church Sunday. They were not going to recognize that they were descendants of Abraham. They were not going to recognize that they had many promises and a history back of them. They were not going to recognize that Joseph had great favor. Nothing is going to count except the blood of this lamb is going to be slain. It's going to be applied, applied, A-P-P-L-I-E-D, applied. Not a mental concept. Not a mental gymnastic. This is going to be an actual process of applying this blood. They're going to have to put, take the blood in a basin. They're going to have to dip in. Hyssop was a plant. They're going to have to sprinkle it on the doorposts and upon the lintels. And when the death angel passed through, this is a spiritual entity. This is a spiritual subject. He's looking for the blood. If he does not find the blood, then the eldest in the household... The eldest son is going to die. This is the edict. This is going to be the judgment upon the nation of Egypt, and they're in the nation of Egypt. If any Israeli did not do this, then they open themselves to the disaster that's going to come. And so here is the, uh, is the thing. It must be applied. Uh, many of you were here uh, Easter several years ago when my son Greg Mitchell uh, were doing a communion service. He preached uh, and was praying for the sick. We had a, a, a lady that came forward. As a matter of fact, it was Steve Hernandez's mother, if I'm not mistaken. And as this lady came forward, uh, she had uh, arthritis. Uh, he prayed for her. I was standing in back helping him pray for her. And she said, the arthritis is gone. The minute that she saw that her arthritis was gone, she said, I've got a deaf ear, too. And so uh, he began to pray for that deaf ear. Uh, I did not understand what I understand today. Uh, but I'm, uh, I'm then helping him. He's got the microphone on her mouth. I'm speaking, uh, uh, hallelujah, praise the Lord, and so on and so forth. And uh, as she could hear a little, and then she couldn't hear. It was fading in and out. And then I was prompted by the Holy Spirit to say, the blood of Jesus sets me free. And she said, the blood of Jesus sets me free. And then she jumped. That ear popped open. And she could hear perfectly. The minute I saw that, I said, ah something powerful there and that was one of the great revelations that I had in praying for the sick because I saw that this woman professed faith in Jesus Christ I don't doubt her salvation she's going to a Pentecostal church I don't doubt that uh, there's some presence and power of God there she came forward to be prayed for she did believe God isn't that correct people who come to pray for it, they believe something or at least they're hoping in you or something uh, they're, they're None of those things were of any avail as when she vocalized the blood of Jesus sets me free, that demon spirit went out of her ear because that's what it was, is a deaf devil. And she could hear. And I've seen that scores of times since then as I've been praying for many, many people. I've seen that repeated over and over again. So it's the blood of Jesus that is powerful in that but it must be applied Romans 3 23 through 25 
Okay, here's the through faith in his blood. It's the faith in that blood that caused them to sprinkle on the doorpost and the lintel post. That's what caused them to do it. They believed what God said. They had put their faith and trust in that blood. David, you remember, uh, is in First uh, uh, Samuel, uh, chapter 24, I believe it is. Uh, they've uh, sinned against God. People are dying. Uh, he goes up to uh, the threshing floor of Arona and purchases that and makes a blood sacrifice for atonement, brings deliverance because there's a death angel that's moving over the city and reaping havoc because of the sin of the people. Revelation 12, 11. Okay, they overcame him. Who? The devil. A uh, couple of stories. Uh, there's a story in a, in a little book that I uh, just read a, a week ago. Uh, it's called The Blood and the Glory. There's a couple, three copies of this up in the office you'd be uh, uh, welcome to take. And a story is told, among others, of a man who's evangelizing in Canada. As he's evangelizing there, uh, a fear came upon him. Uh, he was from uh, uh, Tennessee. And uh, he felt the devil spoke to him and said, I'm going to kill your children. And he rebuked the devil said, you cannot do that. And uh, he felt strongly impressed that uh, the, the devil said, I'm going to kill your children by rabid foxes. Well, he had just heard uh, before he left that there was an outbreak of rabies in that area. And so he... Uh, he uh, uh, that struck fear in his heart. He gathered three or four other believers together, and they plead the plead the blood, drew a bloodline around his property in Tennessee, and uh, trusted God. Uh, a bit later, a uh, brother of his, I believe it was, called him and said the strangest thing was I was out walking around your property and I found five dead foxes right at the property line to your property. I remember twenty years ago. Any, when the charismatic movement came in and they're into the light stuff, fluffy stuff, that anybody who said we're pleading the blood, you're like you're archaic. You, you, you've just, you're in covered wagon days. That's old Pentecostal. Uh, but I want to tell you, I, I, I never, ever wavered from it. So I don't care whether you like it or not. I plead the blood. I've always done that. Raise my children. I, uh, several times through the years of raising our children, all five of them are home. How many of you know when you have five children at home, you've got Wilgums around your new house? <laughs> Only God knows what they're dragging in. So uh, I remember being awakened and feel an evil presence in my house. And I want to tell you, my house is my house. Uh, it belongs to God. And I'd get up out of my bed, go walk into the children's room, and say, uh, the blood of Jesus is against you, devil. I've done that several times in raising our children, and that evil presence would leave. I don't understand all the dynamics that were happening. Uh, I don't really know. All I know is that presence left when I said, the blood of Jesus is against you, devil. You have no dominion. But you see, what I'm trying to say is, this is not automatic. You have to apply it. Okay, let's have some, uh, I've triggered some thoughts now. Let's uh, let her rip. Uh, David Shearer.
right, in a house that they were renting, and a presence come into the house, felt like they were choking. This is not uncommon for people to move into properties that are not their own, and this to happen, and this, this came over. Go ahead, David. You don't think a Book of Mormon would be any problem, do you? See, this is why cults want to get their literature into your house. Uh, I don't have time to go to a whole exposition of that, but I learned that lesson years ago. Is that being a rational, intelligent uh, American, uh, re educated in our systems, uh, I could think for myself, and I and I thought that's stupidity until I learned a real hard lesson. And then I saw that's why the cults try to get their literature into your house because there's a, a demonic force that will take uh, on inanimate objects and literature. And uh, he and he saw the lesson. When he got rid of it, you weren't tormented with it anymore, right? That's when I go preached and route. They got a Book of Mormon in there. I carry it right out as fast as I can. Throw it into the trash bin where they belong. Michael. I was doing the same. I did the same thing. I wanted to educate myself so I'd be able to, to, to minister to these people. I learned a real hard lesson about that uh, because there are spirits. Well, we've exhausted our time. The blood of Jesus uh, redeems us. The Lord bless you. We'll continue next week.